Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you once again. We're praying uh, that you had a good weekend this Saturday and Sunday, and we are ready for a new week. Hallelujah. To get into the Word, this is now uh, Monday the 27th. Am I right, brothers and sisters? That's <laughs> it right. It is the 27th, right? All right, because I know on Friday I said it was the 22nd and it was the 24th. But, uh, yeah, today is the 27th, <laughs> and we're ready to go on this journey. I mean, the things that God has been revealing to us has been uh, amazing, amazing what God is showing us. And, and we thank the Lord for that. And we pray that you are being blessed. We pray that you are being challenged to search these things out, to see for yourself. As the word I know is confirming to many of you what God is, is showing you. And so be blessed this week. We are ready to get into the word of God. Have your Bibles ready. Have your hearts tender. And let us dig in into what God wants to say to us. It's always a pleasure to be with the panel, with the panel, uh, Brother Fernando, uh, Brother Marty. It's always a pleasure to um, to study the word of God together and, and to Amen. do it in the manner that we are doing, a pure manner, you know, with just a desire to glorify Jesus Christ. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave, I'll leave it with you to begin uh, this Monday with what the Lord has placed in your heart. Amen. It's good to be back again on Monday. We're going to, by the grace of God, uh, continue to explore some very profound, at least to, to us, <laughs> profound things and right. that the Lord is saying. And we pray it'll yeah. be a blessing to you. <clears throat> Some of you uh, may not be familiar with with these uh, these scriptures and, and subjects that we're going to continue to go into, but but the the word of Lord is is good uh, for all things. And and so whether you're advanced in the things of God uh, and studying His Word, or whether you're just starting out, it's it's okay. Uh, the Spirit of God is the one that reveals. And so we pray that uh, you'll continue, and 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 most importantly that it'll inspire you to to spend time in, in, in prayer, fellowship with God, and, and in the study of His Word. And so with that in mind, we're going to get back into uh, the book of Revelation today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the mystery of the ten horns, the mystery of the ten horns. And I'm going to begin by reading a scripture in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, and then we'll get into our study and as always, brothers, just jump in whenever you feel like you want to uh, share and contribute. Uh, Revelation chapter 13, the book of Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. The Apostle John is speaking, and he said, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns upon his heads. And the name... <coughs> Of uh, and upon his head, the name of blasphemy. Let's just read that again. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Revelation thirteen one. You know, <clears throat> there 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 really is a sense that that so many things are occurring in this global pandemic, this global lockdown it's it's affected the whole world uh in a way that when you when you look at a quick review of history at least the last 2000 years uh there has never been a time when the entire planet 
as one has been responding to a crisis uh, that has resulted in the in the shutting down of the global economy, the the shutting down of commerce <clears throat> as we've known it, with very few things actually running, and the people by and large in, in the nations of the world being ordered into their homes. In America, the churches being shut down, uh, the political divide taking place, uh, the many voices that that are seeking to, uh, you know, to bring about or to understand uh, what it is that is that is coming about. Also, as I was thinking and reflecting on this, <clears throat> what's occurred seems to have occurred suddenly. You know, 2020, uh, you know, the, the, the changing from 2019 to, to 2020 began a, a new a new year, of course, but it, it, it's witnessed an incredible change uh, in the global community. When we went to bed on New Year's Eve 2019, uh, I, I, I don't know anyone who could actually honestly say that they foresaw uh, what was coming. Although I can say this, that, you know, we've had conversations, me and Jeremy and, and Fernando and, and and amongst our own families and, and, uh, and other brothers that we've known, that we sensed that something was coming. Uh, especially yes. beginning, you remember we used, we were having these conversations back in August of last year. You know, we really couldn't put our finger on it. You know, I, I, we don't claim to be prophets by any means, but but there was a sense in our hearts and our spirits that something was building to something, something that was going to shake the nation. We kept talking that and feeling about that, and and so when this happened. Um, the Lord brought it to our attention very quickly and began to have us pay attention to this, this rising uh, virus that had begun in China. And uh, <clears throat> it felt like, like it was something that wasn't going to just uh, be contained. Uh, uh, but now it has, it is, it has swept the whole world. And so it, it seems like it came suddenly, uh, mm-hmm. but yet it is something that the scripture has indicated even back in Matthew 24 when Jesus said that these would begin to be the kinds of things that would trigger a response, you know, in, in the people of God that they were to be paying attention. Uh, he called them the beginning of sorrows that would lead to tribulation, that would lead to great tribulation. And and it's because of this and many other things that, you know, we're talking to the people of God now. Uh, it's for this reason that we, we need to take note of these things. And, and we need we need and must have the guidance of the Spirit of the Lord in order to search His Holy Word, right? To really begin to look and to see what is it that's actually taking place. And so that's what we've been doing over the last several weeks. And we pray that if you're just joining us, that you take the time to, you know, uh, go back and begin to look at some of the podcasts that, that have led up to this. And uh, especially last week's, um, which lead us to this point today. You know, <clears throat> we've been exploring... Um, what the Apostle Paul revealed in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through through 20 there. In verse 12, he, he talks about wrestling, <clears throat> not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in, in high places. And, and we've been discussing how <clears throat> how interesting it is that that we we really haven't explored uh, at depth, at least, you know, not in our current culture in the church, 
you know, what Paul was actually saying, that we're actually engaged in a spiritual battle that is beyond the veil. It, it, it has its origins in the realm of the spirit, in the realm where uh, we have been discussing, you know, what Paul revealed, that there are principalities, powers, as he calls them, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And he tells us that we're engaged in a conflict, which, you know, most people really don't think about because what is mostly thought about is that, you know, Jesus went to Calvary, he paid the price for my sin, on the third day he rose again and he went to heaven. And now we're expecting him to come back. <laughs> but but the That's interim right. period, right, <laughs> the interim period has been almost 2,000 years. And so it's like, okay, what's been going on, right? Well, Paul, way back right. in the beginning, said, hey, this battle isn't over. It's just begun. And that's what we began to talk about. And he wanted us to understand by saying that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that the contest or the, 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 the resistance, the fight that we're engaged in does not have its origin in the natural world. And he alerts us to a hierarchy, a governmental structure of opposing forces, soldiers of the dark side, if you will. He calls them principalities, powers. He calls them rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so he tells us that we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so that took us in last week's studies to, to reflect on what, what the Lord revealed to us, which we discussed last week, which was at just before he was about to go back uh, into heaven to ascend into the domain of heaven where the Father is, he makes the statement to the disciples telling them that all power had been given unto him. All power, all authority, all rule, all uh, dominion, all jurisdictional power, which means in every corner of everywhere of every dimensional existence, wherever there is a domain or rule that has been created by God, it has all been transferred the authority over it all into the hands of the man christ jesus the son of the living god and in matthew 28 18 through 20 that's what he said and 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 then yes. he commissions his apostles right he says now you go into all the nations baptizing them immersing them in the name and the authority of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe whatever i have commanded you and so we began to explore that and talk about the the interesting way in which our you know our task our duty in the interim period that is the time between his his leaving and his returning he gave us a task to accomplish in the earth and he 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 launched our mission by telling us that all power and authority is his, and we as his children and as his servants are commissioned to go into the entirety of the entire planet and declare that kingdom of God, that rule and that authority that the Lord possesses over all things. But remember, it's connected to what Paul said, because this is where some have gotten off and said, okay, so he wants us to institute the kingdom of heaven now or the kingdom of God on the earth. That's not what he was talking about. 
what he was talking about, and Paul reveals it even deeper to us uh, and enlightens us in what the Lord was saying to us, is that is that you're not going with the sword and with bombs and with planes or whatever, right, and, and, and to take over the kingdoms of the world. He said, you're, he said, what you're wrestling against is not flesh and blood. In other words, the kingdom that will be established in the planet is directly connected to the commandments of the Lord being declared to principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so then that brought us last Friday, right, to the symbolism that we we have revealed in which, in which John revealed to us the whole unfolding of the history of this conflict we're talking about in the heavens all the way to the earth. And and if you if you just look over there, brothers, in Revelation 12, verse 5, we're told in verse uh, 5 of Revelation chapter 12 that, that, that she, let me just read this, and she brought forth a man-child, speaking of Israel, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God into his throne. So the symbolism, and, and again, those of you who want to learn more about this, go back and listen to Friday's podcast. Uh, the symbolism here that John is giving just before he gets into Revelation 13, which is where we're headed, is the symbolism that he saw where he sees the, the man-child, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he's caught up into heaven. The declaration is that he's going to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, which we see fulfilled at the end of the book of Revelation when he returns upon the return of his second coming. That's when he's going to impose rule and bring absolute submission to the planet uh, and, and bring down all uh, wickedness and darkness, so forth and so on. But he says something really interesting. It's like he hits the pause button and he says, before that happens, though, he's caught up unto God into the heavens where God is, and he's seated at, at the right hand of the Father by his throne. And when we talked about that, we said that's interesting because verse 7 then says that when the when the Lord arrived in heaven and was seated at the right hand of God, it activated something. It activated a legal authority to impose the rule and 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 the and the taking over of the purchased kingdom, purchased by the blood of the lamb, purchased by his blood he shed on the cross and declared to be so and acceptable to God by the resurrection from the dead on the third day. And so we're told that when the Lord ascends into heaven under the throne of God, uh, he arrives in heaven, he's seated at the right hand of God, and something's activated. And that's what we saw in verse 7, right? It says, and there was war in heaven. <clears throat> there was war in heaven. Michael and his yes. angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon fighting and his angels. So what we're told is in verse 5 is Jesus is caught up into heaven. He, his future mission is when he returns will be to rule the nations of the world with the imposition of a rod of iron. He's going to bring great uh, correction to the planet. But then he puts the pause button and says, but before that, he's going to be caught up into heaven and seated at the right hand of God. And when that happens, verse 7 happens, Revelation 12, verse 7, where it says, now there's war in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon is fighting with his angels against uh, uh, Michael's angels. 
there's a war between two opposing military type, uh, you know, forces in heaven. Mm -hmm. And what we pointed out was it's in, right. What we pointed out was it's interesting that as soon as Jesus arrives, the war starts. And we talked about that last week, right? The war begins because all authority has been given unto Christ in every dimension, in every place, that there is a throne, a dominion, a, a a a government structure, both visible and invisible, as it's revealed to us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, that there are multiple places of life and existence beyond the earth, beyond what we can see, there are places. And, and, and in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, the Apostle Paul reveals that there are visible and invisible thrones. There are uh, visible rulers and invisible rulers, dominions and principalities and powers and governments and structure. This is an incredible revelation that the Bible gives us because it, it causes us, if we'll take the time to meditate on what it's actually saying, it enlarges our understanding of the, of the scope, of the, of the length and the breadth of of the creation of God in all its magnificence, in all its uniform symmetry that was broken and and thrown out of balance by that wicked one who was once called Lucifer and who in his rebellion plunged the entirety of all creation into misery, destruction, and death. And the origination of that rebellion was in the ancient dateless past, quite possibly occurring from this planet, the planet Earth. It is one of the reasons why it appears the scripture is telling us that the whole of creation's uh, struggle will culminate right here on the planet Earth. And so when Jesus ascends into heaven, what we're being told is that as soon as he's seated at the right hand of the Father, which is a judicial location, let me say that again, which is the place or the seat, right, where judgment and the will of God is executed. And Jesus, by right of sitting there, it is being announced to all creation that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is now seated, everything belongs to him, and now there's war in heaven. War precisely because it was now, over the next 2,000 years and plus going forward, there was going to be a systematic removal from every dimension and domain, the, the, the rebellion of the enemy. And it, and it began as soon as Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father. And so that's why we're, we're, it's revealed to us here in verse 7 that that Michael immediately is activated and begins to fight and begins to remove him from the the various places where where these rebellious forces exist. The conflict was engaged as soon as Jesus was received up into heaven. Do you remember when he went up into heaven on the Mount of Olives, and you, you guys who are following us can read it in the book of Acts, it says that he was caught up into heaven in the clouds, right? And that and that they just 
they just stand there watching him, right? Well, that's what John's writing about here, where it says that her child was caught up unto God. He he's he's basically referencing that day, uh, just before the day of Pentecost, a few days before the day, ten days before the day of Pentecost. He's caught up, and he's referencing that, and he's letting us know where he went. But if you look in the book of Acts, it's interesting because while he's caught up, they're all staring at him. And then suddenly right. it talks about two beings in bright, shining garments say, why are you looking up into heaven? Right? And, and, and then yes. they say, go, you, got, you got work to do. Know, he's going to go to heaven, and, 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 and Michael's going to begin uh, what he's going to do. They didn't say that, but we read it here in the book of Revelation. That's where it, comes. it says, Michael's going to, as soon as the Lord gets there, he says, Michael's going to be let loose, and there's going to be this one, one. <laughs> It's going to be like UFC 1, man. I mean, you've never seen anything like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the big kahuna, right? It's beginning. And so he it was so they're told in Acts chapter 2, go do what he told you to do now. Because uh, thy will be done on earth, right? As it is in heaven above. And so they, it's like a corresponding military action begins to take place. A unified exercise in the authority, the rule, and the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ is now engaged. And as soon as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin to systematically go to the nations of the world, just as Michael in heaven is systematically beginning to remove Satan and his influence from every single place where he had once had dominion until Jesus rose from the dead, paying the price for all of it. So that brings us Hallelujah. to, uh, amen? So so Amen. so so he's he's kicked out and and verse eight says uh, that that there was now no no place found in heaven for him anymore no place for him to reside and verse nine says the great dragon was cast out the serpent that old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole cosmos not just the earth but the Greek word there is cosmos it indicates that he has been traversing the heavens and every place of existence and these mysterious places. You know, I wish we we had time to do this, uh, but, but I mean, the mysterious places where activity, government, where structure and, and domain and probably some of the most magnificent places exist that God has made. And, and it's there that he traverses and he 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 defiles it and resists those beings, if you will. And I know this makes some you know religious people uncomfortable, but this is what the scripture is saying: that there's no place Amen. left for him, right? There's no place left for him, and that and that he he deceives the whole cosmos. He goes and tries to bring deception in every corner of the known and even the unknown to humanity places within the universe and creation of the father but because of what jesus did he's cast out finally coming down into the domain of the earth and his angels with him see john is now being fast forwarded into some future time where where the 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 expelling of all these demonic soldiers if you will these these angelic uh, foes, these these beings of of darkness, 
that are engaged in an incredible battle beyond anything that we can imagine. The force of what Christ did on Calvary and rising from the dead was the force necessary to empower the heavenly host with the legal authority given to him by the Father God to expel these rebellious beings out of every single corner of everything everywhere. And then John is being shown in this vision it's going to culminate and come down to the planet Earth. And that's where we believe we are today. We believe that the past 2,000 years has been that exercising of, of heavenly rule and authority by Christ and his soldiers, Michael and the angels, have been systematically removing this wicked one from every place we've been describing. And then he comes down, it says, to this earth, which is in that future generation. But John had it revealed to him 2,000 years ago, and we believe for many, many reasons, and we've described it at length in the last five podcasts, why we believe we've come to that time. And once, once that happens, verse 10 says what? I heard with a loud voice. Uh, I heard a loud voice where? In heaven. Heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? Heaven proper. Yes. Saying, now is come salvation. And, the, and strength. And the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brother brethren has been cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And verse 11 says that famous scripture, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, loving not their lives, even unto death. And then listen to this in verse 12. It describes a great rejoicing. It says, therefore, rejoice ye people of the earth. No. It says says, rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. You see that, brothers? The heavens and they that dwell in them. Salvation came to them first in this sense. Salvation was one, the absolute, definite uh, salvation was won and purchased on Calvary and declared to be uh, infused with power and authority on the resurrection day. So it's an established fact, but the working out of complete salvation has been an ongoing systematic imposing of the perfect will of God and the authority of the power of his Christ. And so once we got to the place where the heavens have have been uh, have been exterminated, and that old devil, that old serpent, that old dragon has been cast out. The most interesting statement is made: "Rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them." That's a hint mm. in letting us know what the scripture is saying. Anybody want to comment on that? No, go ahead, brother. All right. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I'll say this. I'll say this because you're spot on. The the Bible seems, again, to be uh, taking our attention uh, to places beyond the material world. Okay, yes. and that's something that that the that, that the believer and the listener has to, uh, you know, 
I guess, uh, kind of reason within themselves, right? There's more to mm-hmm. just this physical world that meets the eye. Yes. I mean, we've, ta- we've taken you from Hebrews to Ephesians, to Colossians, um, you know, uh, Genesis and, and, and so forth and so on, to the book of Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, Ezekiel, Isaiah. And, and, the, and the Bible, again, uh, wants to uh, let us know that the, the, what, what sin, the effect of sin was so far-reaching. It just didn't affect mankind. It, yeah. it, it affected the heavenlies. And this is what the book of Revelation is talking about here. So this is Bible we're talking about. And, again, yeah. uh, we, go back to, we go back to why many people have a hard time dealing with these subjects because they're not taught, because they're not properly understood. Yeah. But again, the Bible is making it clear here that uh, a cleansing takes place in the in the heavenly dimension. Because remember, when John finds himself in the island of Patmos, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's yeah. day. It doesn't mean that he got all Pentecostal and spiritual. It literally <laughs> means that he, <laughs> right? It literally means that a door, a door was open where he was, in essence, uh, taken into another dimension, the dimension of eternity, where he was able to see the beginning and the end and began yes. to describe it to us as he saw it in the dimension of eternity as it would transpire on earth. Yes. Okay? So you have to understand how, how, how John is viewing things. He is viewing things in the dimension of eternity, and he has seen them transpire on the earth. So he has the ability, in a sense, to uh, see into the spirit realm, but also see the material world, right? Yes. He's seen yes. two dimensions here, right, uh, uh, that, that, that where, where things have already taken place and where things are yet to take place on here on earth. So we have to see scripture uh, with that uh, point of view as well. Or else we won't understand the book of Revelation, right? Yes, that's so that's something that the listener has to uh, really pay attention to and what the writer is doing here, where he was taken, what he has seen uh, in, in eternity, and what is manifesting on the earth. So I just wanted to bring that point out. Yeah, and that's really good mm-hmm. because that's exactly what, what, we're, what we're really doing here is, is just simply commenting on the scripture as it's written. But... <clears throat> Right, but also trying to dig in by the grace of the Holy Spirit that we might understand who Jesus Christ really is. You know, such a great disservice has been done over the last 30 years across the landscape of of the Christian West to where the Lord himself has been so diminished to becoming nothing more than, than a means to improve your own temporary life here in this planet it's as yes. if they equate the cross with with your with with you know with a better bank account and you can drive a nicer car or, you know all that stuff man that doesn't mean anything that he has been so diminished that when you talk about him now people don't even know who he is and and how john remember the book of revelation isn't the revelation of john it's the revelation of jesus christ that's what it says, yes, the book right. of Revelation yes. of Jesus Christ. So really what it's saying is this is a book that unfolds his magnificence, his majesty, his authority, and we better understand it. Because even John, who walked with him for three and a half years, 
who felt so uh, overwhelmed by the magnificence of who he was when he came the first time, as we see it in the in the Passover. Remember the last Passover Jesus had with his disciples. John uh, loves the Lord so much he has he's resting his head on his on his shoulder on his on his bosom there. He 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 was that intimate with him in the purest sense of love for his master. Uh, but when he sees him in the book of Revelation chapter one, he falls at his feet as dead because when he sees him in his fullness and his glory, he said, man, his, his eyes, they were like a flame of fire. He said, uh, you know, out of his mouth, symbolic, of course, goes a sharp two-edged sword that speaking of his word, his feet are like fine burnished brass. I mean, he's the Lord of glory. And and even Jesus' testimony to the disciple that he loved in Revelation chapter 1 is, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I was he that liveth, was dead, and I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. He's speaking authoritatively. He is God. He is man. He is the son of the living God. And so this is what we're seeing here. When the statement is made in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, that now salvation has come, that flies in the face of all uh, established church doctrine. Because people view the salvation of the Lord as, as simply one act, which was Calvary. And in a sense, that's true in the sense that it was purchased there. And then the resurrection was the, was the, was the indicator that the price that was paid on the cross uh, was accepted, validated, and the prize, if you will, was won back. The redemption occurred, and he ever liveth now to implement his will. And so when you hear now salvation has come, what we are actually seeing is the is the rule that was established by God the Father given to his son is now being is now being affected throughout all creation. And so when we yeah. finally come right, so when we finally come down to verse twelve and we hear that that statement, rejoice you heavens and you that dwell in them, he's talking about myriads of beings. And and we don't have time to camp there because that's not our subject today, but just take your own time, those of you that are listening, and go read these scriptures. What do they mean? They mean exactly what they say. And the and 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 understand this that when you allow the Spirit of God to begin to reveal those things to you, and then you begin to realize that your Lord, your Savior, your baptizer in the Holy Spirit, your King of kings and Lord of lords is supreme over all of it, and he's been given to you, the church, which is meant to be the fullness of him that fills all in all. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to go back to school and to understand what it is that God has been telling us, what he's revealing to yeah. us now, and what is just ahead of us. Because now this statement is made in verse 12, go ahead and rejoice. Salvation has come to all those places we've been describing. But then he says, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And what he's literally saying there, he notice he didn't say, rejoice ye in the heavens and you on the yeah. earth. Right? He said, right. okay, right. the job's been done. Right? Are you going to say something? No, no, we're saying no. amen. Go ahead, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the and not, just, not just that, Brother Marty, there's a transition going on here. It means that yes. in, the, in the heavenlies, uh, sin has been dealt with, right? Um, yes. And now uh, the 
Satan uh, or the devil is, is, is has no access to heaven or eternity. And now he is being restricted now to time. That's why it says he knows that he has but a short time. So now he, there's a warning to the inhabitants of the earth. It's like the Lord is saying, listen, he has no more place. No more places found in, in, in the heavenlies for him, right? He is now yes. restricted to earth. He is yes. coming down to you. Okay? Yes. I am, and, and, and this is the place, on, this is where he's going to ultimately deal with sin. It's here on earth, right? This is where, uh, where, where he has to deal with it. This is where he came and paid the price. He came yes. to earth, right? So uh, understand this. I want the listeners to understand this. There's, there's some things going on here that, that are very deep. But at the same time, it, it's it's something that if we're led by the Spirit, he he will help us to understand, right? But a transition is going on here. Uh, yes. So when Jesus ascended back to the Father, right, he, he he paid the price, and 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 he was given all authority. He began to do something in heaven. He began to rid heaven of the vestiges of sin and the devil himself. Right and completely remove them to where to where they have no other place to go to but to earth to the material world. Yes, absolutely, and that's right? a good, what you just said. He begins to rid. Think of this: you're talking about a transition, but also an acquisition. Right? There's a transitioning yes. into the new, but also an acquisition of the old. And 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 as a king, uh, he has the power to delegate. Right, and that's why you see Michael mm-hmm. and the angels fighting. That's why you see them contesting. Uh, they have been invested, and understand this as well. I know there, there's so many sub, you know, subsets or subtexts, if you will. There's so many things we can go into and look at, but one of them is this, and that is, and that is what appears to be being revealed by the scripture, is that all things function under set parameters set laws that are instituted and were created by our Heavenly Father. Everything functions under perfect symmetry. Everything. And and just in the natural world, we see it. We see, even when you get into the micro world and you look at how the systems of protons and neutrons and atoms of cells or, or, or molecular biology all the beautiful structures that exist, which can only be seen under a microscope, for example, or even the symmetry of the seasons or the the gravitational forces as it affects the solar system, all of it is a finely tuned machine. And what I'm talking to you about, just in the reflection of the natural, what this expresses to us is that everything has been governed and set down to be governed by the established will and the and the laws of whether it be nature or the spirit that God the Father has instituted. And so, in order to uh, implement authority within the confines of that, you must adhere to the established law of God. And so this is right. why the price had to be paid the way it was. What Jesus actually did was fulfill the 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 fulfill the law and also in so doing as the perfect uh, redeemer he in essence uh, fulfilled the law and then 
was able to take the, the punishment of the law for us, his children, so that the wrath of God, which was about to be poured out on him for us, and, and in the future is being poured out on all creation that has rebelled, we are safely hidden in Christ. But we have to govern within the laws and the structures which God set down, the parameters. Jesus Christ fulfilled it. And because of that, the resurrection of the dead proved that he now became the supreme judge and ruler. Remember what he told the Pharisees, all judgment has been given to me. And so he's executing his judgment within the confines of the ancient, dateless, eternal law that God uh, instituted in the eons of the past, if you will. And it was there when it was broken that it set in motion a whole bunch of things that, that could only be dealt with in justice and truth within the confines of that law. And so it is our Lord who delegates the authority. That's what he means when he says, now go into all the world. I've got all power in heaven and earth. Now go and yes. implement the rule. You have legal right to do it. That's for another day. But this is what we see happening here. And this is why the enemy was able to be forced out of every single place that he had a domain. So let's read it in verse 12. And we're going to hurry. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and you that dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Why? Because as Brother Fernando was just talking about, the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Why? Because he knows something. He knows yeah. that he has but a short time. This is, mm. such, this is such an interesting thing. Because now you're talking yeah. about what was once an eternal being. Yeah. An eternal an eternal creature who has never known time or been confined right. to it, right? He now knows something that he has been confined to the time that God has set. He is now subject to the law of time and space, if you will, or entropy for you scientists out there, because everything's yeah. going to be folded up, right? And so this is why we see him reacting with such great wrath. And we talked about this, in verse 17, he now turns his attention to Israel and the church, to those that that have the testimony of Jesus, to those who keep the commandments. He's now confined to time, a short time. And what we're putting forth to you, and the reason we're even discussing this, is because we believe that something has triggered the events that are quite possibly about to usher us in in the not too distant future, and we're not setting timetables or dates, but we know by the scripture we're we're close, and 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 whether it's five years, ten years, or whether it's next week, we don't know. But what we do know is that the scripture seems to be implying to us, based on all the things that we've learned over these last thirty some years, man. Um, it seems like we've come to the very edge of these things. And with that in mind, then we need to begin to pay attention to other things so as to verify the time that we're living in. And we believe that's the time. We believe the enemy indeed has now come to the earth. And we believe, and you go back and listen to our podcast, the last several podcasts, and we, we, we went in at length in there and laid out a bunch of things, you know, identifying the prophetic markers that are to allow us to know Remember, one of the most difficult things about sharing what we're sharing right now is the is, is is the temptation to simply put information out there 
for the sake of putting information out there. And many people like to go, oh, okay, you know, I see how every T is crossed, every I is dotted. Okay, I got it. No, you don't. that's been the problem right because they think okay we've got it in a box everybody's got their chart and you know this is how it's gonna really well their charts are crumbling to the ground at this point because much of what they said would happen hasn't happened and and their and their triggers uh should have already had us out of here but the truth is we're not going to get into that today (laughs) but Uh, but, brother marty yeah go uh, ahead can I can I uh, remind the, the listeners to something you brought up uh, last week when we read the scripture, brother, where it says, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he know it. And last year we discussed, you discussed, we all discussed how the Lord, uh, something was revealed to Satan, to the devil. Yes. Right? And verse what was revealed thir- to him. Verse 13, right? Verse uh, 12, where he, where he know it, right? Where he says that he no, no, knoweth, and then, but look at verse thirteen. Read that. And when us. the dragons, and when the dragon saw, oh yes, okay, yeah, that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the women, which brought forth the man child. Yeah. And um, go ahead. What I wanted to bring out is is, you know, it's possibly that God had a conversation with 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 the devil, and yeah. I th- I thought about um, remember when. Uh, uh, when Judas, when the the devil entered him, right, and then Jesus told him, uh, "Whatever you have to do, do it now." Yeah, that's really good. So, really. Yeah, I like that. He, right. So there, there's something there, uh, you know. So what what did Judas do? He immediately went to do. Yeah, that's good. What he what he had to do, and so yes, and, we see a a, it, a similarity there, right? Yeah, and what did it trigger? Right, it triggered instantly. Uh, a, a, a you know the, the historical narrative, right? Yeah, he exits, he mm-hmm. goes, and what he 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 joins forces with a corrupt religious establishment, which is a foreshadow of the false prophet of Revelation thirteen eleven, and he mm-hmm. he he enacts powers that will lead to the Roman government, right? Which are the ones that had the authority to crucify him. So you have a a coming together of a global government and a corrupt religious establishment led by Judas, who was possessed by the devil. You're absolutely and right. And it happens That's quick. Right. And it happens quickly. With yes. The, the what you do. Speed. Right. What yes. you do. Go do it quickly. Right. And, yes. and if there's any comfort in what we're talking about, it's just that the intensity of the battle in the future is going to be confined to 42 months. That's what the book of Revelation says. A time's time and half a time. 42 months is apportioned for the final conflict to come to a close. And so that's where we believe we are. We believe we we quite possibly have entered this this event, and and we and we're putting this forward as as simply a hypothesis. We're not saying it's got to be this way, but it's interesting. It's something to pay attention to. Yeah. The fact that we are under a global crisis, the fact that the whole world is under lockdown, and a new paradigm is emerging, a new reality a new sense of the collective and a desire of people to have this thing fixed at any cost. I mean, if it means that I'm going to have to go around wearing a badge or a digital ID certificate or whatever so that I can get back to normal, I'm willing to relinquish my personal freedom in order to make that happen because I'm really, really fatigued by this whole situation. 
and and it's quite possible because it's a global right. event that we have to pay attention to it and so that's what we're talking about so so he knows like brother that's an excellent point brother jeremy so uh, revelation 12 12 he knows that he he's been confined to a short period of time on the earth he no longer can traverse the rest of the way and i think that's why we're seeing such activity as we're seeing now not only in this pandemic but in the violence around the world in the terrorism in in, in, in all the horrible things that have been being revealed, in the corruption of governments, in, in the persecution of the church in Israel, and, and so many other things, Revelation twelve seventeen says his attention is now drawn to two people groups. One is Israel, they who keep the commandments of God. The other is the true church. And, and the true church is they who have the prophecy or who understand prophecies of the Lord. They're known as those who, who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to try and at least lay the groundwork for tomorrow. Now, listen, this brings us to Revelation 13 and what we're talking about, the mystery of the ten horns. Because how he chooses to fight and what he's going to do is attempt to institute what he's never been able to do. And that is to unify the entire planet as one expressive unit in absolute rebellion against the Creator. The only place that he has left, the only place that he is now confined to where he can exercise rule and dominion through the children of disobedience, as it were, is here on this planet. And this is where the battle is coming down to. This is where Jesus is returning because it will be the last place. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's, right? The earth right. is the Lord's. And he's coming to take back his own house, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yes, that's, yes. that's what it says. And so so John starts in chapter 13, verse 1, and he says, I'm standing on the sea. And we talked about that, uh, John 13, 1, and I, John, stood upon the sand of the sea. He's not standing in the sea. He's standing on the sand of the sea. And we talked about that on Friday, that that sand is very symbolic language representing the children of Abraham because God told Abraham, I will make your seed as the stars in the heaven and as the sand of the sea. And so now the Apostle John reveals something to us. And I don't want to hurry through this. I know we we're talking about the ten horns, so we might just kind of bump up against the ten horns, but we'll come back tomorrow and we'll start right here. We won't have to lay the same groundwork, but it's been a weekend, so I really felt it was important to just go over and review some things. So here we are. Yeah. He says this. He says, John says, I saw a beast, right? rise up out of the sea now the key this is the key right it, 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 because it, it reveals something here a couple of things one where he's positioned he's on the the sand which is representative of the seed of abraham both jew and gentile G gentile church jewish nation the two he's, he's identifying himself with them and 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 he's on the earth and so he's referencing a future generation, which I believe is ours. Because remember, John had this vision 2,000 years ago. And when the devil goes to make war, he goes to make war and specifically target the, 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 the children of Abraham. And so he's standing on the sea, and he says something, I saw rising up out of the sea. This is key because it reveals that the end-time church will be marked by those who witness the beast rise up out of the sea. He's literally revealing to us that there will be a church and there will be an Israel 
that will begin to see this beast. It's a system rising up out of the sea. And notice the terminology here, brothers. It doesn't say that he sees a beast rising up out of the sea. He says, I see a beast rise up. Why is that important? Because the truth of the matter is, as he goes on to describe what he looks like, what does he look like? He has seven heads, ten horns, upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his head, the name of blasphemy. So he describes this beast, but he identifies it, and I don't have time to walk everybody through this. All you all have to go study your Bible, but we'll give you the scripture references and you can begin to dig into them. He sees a beast rise up, not rising up, but rise up, which implies that it's already a fully developed system. It's not something that's a gradual rising up. It's a manifestation good. of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's a manifestation of it. So it's a, it's a time marker. It's meant to be an indicator to those who are in the church in Israel. It is meant to be an indicator to God's children that <clears throat> the generation that would see it rise up is the generation that would be alive when the system and, and the working of Satan through the ages is now complete. And it's been an unfolding attempt by Satan himself to bring this about throughout the entirety of human history. He begins to unfold the final resistance and how he describes it is a beast a venomous, wild thing, uh, and it and it begins to rise up out of the sea. The sea, as the book of Revelation goes on to describe, represents all the nations of the world, every tribe, every tongue, every color, <clears throat> every person. And so he begins to reveal this beast rise up. And, and check this out. What's interesting about this is what we know from the Apostle Paul that this is a direct work of Satan's handiwork, right? In, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, he says I, uh, that the, the revelation of this beast and the coming Antichrist comes after the working of Satan, right? With all signs mm -hmm. and power and lying wonders. So we know that throughout history, this has been the working of the devil and that he's tried right all along the way to make this happen. Now, the first thing that he tells us is that he sees this beast uh, have seven heads. And we talked about that uh, and, and what that means comparing Scripture with Scripture, <clears throat> and we're limited in these podcasts, but, you know, you go back and study it. It represents the seven global empires, the seven global empires that have existed and, and, and that failed. Their attempts all failed but yet they were foreshadows of what, what John is seeing. And that's why he sees now collectively all seven reappear because it's all seven that are going to morph into one system. And it's going to be unlike anything that's ever existed before. It's going to have the power to completely and totally enslave the whole of humanity. The seven heads represent the seven major global empires. If you remember from Friday, we talked about who they were. It first began at the Tower of Babel with Nimrod, and then it went to Pharaoh of Egypt, 
Then it went to Sennacherib of Assyria. And then it went to Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Then it went to Cyrus of the Medo-Persian Empire. And then it went to Alexander the Great of the Grecian Empire. And finally, the cult of the Caesars of the Roman Empire. All seven of these global heads, seven mountains, as the Bible describes them, seven powers that have sought to fill the earth with their influence, each and every one of them by themselves made a good run at it, but they failed. They failed, and so they rise at the end as one collective unit. But then the Apostle John, he draws our attention to, to where we've come today, which is the, the ten horns. He says, I see ten horns on these seven heads and ten crowns. Remember, in order to understand what these things mean, we need to look at Scripture and compare Scripture with Scripture. So turn over, would you, Brother Jeremy, to Revelation 17? Because John yes. tells us exactly what these ten horns are. In Revelation 17, are you there? Yes, I am. Could you, you read us verse, from, uh... verse 12? <laughs> 12, okay. And... And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received. So first power of all, what we're being wait. For, so first of all, what we're being told, right, is what what symbolically John saw as ten horns, are now being identified by the angel explaining it to him. They are ten distinct kings, isn't that right? Can you read that again? As the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast and these all one, have what yes keep going one mind these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast now, the beast that's being referenced there is the Antichrist. But we turned over there because we wanted to, to begin to, to, to lay the groundwork for where we're going to go deeper tomorrow. Because these ten kings are referencing uh, rulership and authority. Remember how John saw them in chapter 13, verse 1. He sees them as resting upon the heads of the seven-headed uh, beast that's rising up out of the collective. It, the collective or the sea represents all of the nations, and it's indicating to us, what's being revealed to us is that a future generation, when John was writing it, which we believe is ours, would begin to express from the very innermost part of their being, collective humanity, aside from the church in Israel, will begin to clamor and desire a manifestation of a global system. They're going right. to want to be one well, you say, what's wrong with that, Brother Marty? Well, nothing except they don't want Jesus to be the king, <laughs> right? Mm, I, mean, exactly. I mean, Jesus is going to make this into one world, but he's the king. He's the Lord. He's God. This is his planet, yes. right? Yes. But what we're yes. seeing and what John is saying is that the working of Satan has produced such a corrupt humanity that what they're going to clamor for is a system that overtakes the whole world and makes the human population one single unit, only without God and without his Christ. This is why this battle will be ensued. The difference of what he sees here 
as to what has happened before in the seven-headed beast, which represents the seven global empires, is that when John sees it, he now sees it having ten horns. And when we looked, and, and ten crowns on their head. And when we look at Revelation 17, which you just read, Brother Jeremy, what we see is further information given to us, 17:12, what the ten horns really are. They are ten kings. And, and, and when John sees them in 17, he's told, but they don't have a kingdom yet. They are coming well in the future. And remember, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. We believe we're entering that time now. What seems to be happening here, because remember this, and I'm just going to throw this out there. The Bible reveals to us in the book of Daniel that every one of these global empires had a prince or a ruler over the geographic territory on the earth where these global empires emerged. But they were all single attempts by each generation to implement global rule. And so they were unsuccessful and limited in how they could exercise or influence the nations of the world to come under the domain of these demonic systems. But in the end, it, it, it's as if a strategy is being implemented by the powers of darkness, Satan himself, to coalesce all seven of those global empires into one beast system. Only this time, it will further be energized by what is known as the Ten Horns or the Ten Kings. Tomorrow, what we're going to get into from this point is something marvelous. Because when these kings appear, one, we're going to lay the case to you and show you that these are not earthly kings. These are the generals of the satanic army. And they will be allowed to give expression and add their influence and their power to mm. a single genetically altered human being known as the Antichrist. The one that will be filled with that ancient spirit known as Abaddon or Apollyon. You can read it later in Revelation 9-11. Those days are just ahead, and we're going to show you some things tomorrow, Lord willing, about these ten kings, where they come from, how long they've been around, and why they are only allowed to emerge in the end, which we believe is not too many days ahead of us. They are going to manifest themselves. A complete reality of all that we've known, this end-time generation, is about to be bombarded with what God calls a strong delusion. Something yeah. incredibly profound is coming, and the blurring between the veil and the natural world is about to be removed, and something extraordinary is going to take place. And it's quite possible that this global pandemic, this global lockdown, which has united the world in one cause, is now just the beginning foray, if you will, the, the opening shot in what is going to unfold into the greatest battle we've ever seen. You going to say something? My, my. It, it's a delusion. You said it, a strong delusion that is coming. Yeah. And we better we better be careful. If we think just because we go to church and we, we can quote a couple of scriptures, that ain't going to help you. That ain't going <laughs> to help you in this hour. You know, you, you need to know the meat of the word to know what you're confronting in this hour. Yes, because many shall be deceived. Even even many of the elect, if, if it will be deceived, right? If it was possible, yes, yes. Which means what you just said, brother Jeremy, is so right on. 
because I'm going to tell you guys something, and I know you know this and sense this as well. As we go forward, uh, Jesus revealed that it would be such a time that because iniquity is abounding, the love of many is going to wax cold. And he talked about... He talked about even people within the circle of our community turning on us, turning against us, brother against yes. brother, daughter against daughter, right? A uh, mother, yeah. fathers and children Father against, against parents. Son. Yeah, we've yes. already seen these kinds of things, like in Nazi Germany, man, when those Hitler youth were turning on their parents if they weren't saluting Hitler at the dinner table, right? I mean, or go into <laughs> yeah. communist China, right? I mean, they. They report each other and they have, you know, social credit scores and all kinds of crazy that we've already seen the spirit of it at work. But Jesus says it's going to get so crazy that even your most uh, what you might have thought was your brother in the Lord is going to turn on you because he never was really a brother. And and this is why mm-hmm. what, what I'm sending out to you, the more that we learn, the more that God begins to unfold in the days ahead the more you're going to need and I'm going to need and we're going to need to be incredibly discerning, like Pastor Jeremy just said, about who we hang out with, what we reveal, who we talk to, who we spend time with. We need to be very, very careful in the coming days and and not be ready to just spill our beans every time we get a chance to open our mouth, right? I mean, be wise as a serpent, Jesus said, but harmless as a dove. Brother Jeremy, would you close in, in Daniel chapter 2? Yes. Right here. Speaking of the kings, I don't want to leave you with this heavy, like, oh, my God. Uh, listen, why we're excited is because of Daniel chapter 2. Speaking of the ten kings, I want to leave you with this. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. Will you read it? Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> it says, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Praise the Lord. So we're going to leave you with that today so you don't feel like, so. oh, my God, you know, the sky's falling. (laughs) Yeah, why we're excited is because the scenario of prophetic events is beginning to become clear. It's coming into focus. And with that in mind, what the Bible is alerting us to, which is quite possibly ahead in our days, is the manifestation of all these things right before our eyes. And rather than being afraid, we need to know that it is the signal to the true church of Jesus Christ in this hour. Those of you who love him with all your heart or who are pursuing him so that you might be saved, it's in this time, he says, in the days of these kings, and he's referring to the ten kings, that God is going to set up his kingdom. That's how close we are. And I pray that these words have whet your appetite for tomorrow's broadcast as we return to the mystery of the ten horns, the mystery of the ten kings. Jesus is coming. Are you Hallelujah. ready? Hallelujah. <laughs> Go ahead and close it out, buddy. Yeah, we're, we're speaking about ancient spirits that will... Uh, come together and you know at the end of time um and and satan is going to have reinforcement um that is allowed by god where where these ancient spirits come together and make one entity and and you know the the power of these these ancient spirits and, and the dragon himself that power is given over to this man 
the man of sin, the Antichrist. Right. So, yes, we are dealing with, we are going to deal and are dealing with a Satan we have never seen before. The Bible says he come down having great wrath. Yeah. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. What what is being produced here? We could speak about America. What is being produced in in the liberal agenda? Let's talk about that for a moment. It is an anger and a wrath towards Christians and Jews alike. Okay, right now we have we have a uh, a man that has some of the values we Christians have. But what happens when he is removed? What's coming our way? That we consider these things. Times are changing, amen. So, so yeah. And there's only there's only one thing these powers of darkness are subject to, and that is the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. You remember, and we spoke about this, brother Marty, and 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 you brought it out uh, some time ago. Uh, um, When Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, what was waiting at the base of the mountain was a demon possessed child. And, yeah. and and his disciples couldn't cast out the devil. And, and when Jesus came down, he said these words. He said, "This kind, this kind of spirit, right? That 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 mm-hmm. you're dealing with doesn't come out unless we without prayer or fasting." Well, right. And what's so what's so incredible when he said this kind? What he was really mm-hmm. saying is, you're dealing with a with a spirit here, an ancient spirit that you have not. Yes. Uh, uh, warred against that you have not seen. It's something that's much stronger. It's, so, it's a force that's much stronger that you're dealing with. You have to bring that child to me. Only I can deal with this situation. Yeah. And I think that it, it's prophetic of what will take place in the end times. We are about to see a different kind of, of, of spiritual warfare, a much greater spiritual warfare, more powerful spiritual warfare than we've ever seen before. And that's why we need to walk closer with Jesus. And I, I think this is why this pandemic has come, is so that we can reinforce ourselves and put on the armor yeah. of God, right? Yeah. And, and, and for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of darkness of this world. This is why we are coming to you with these podcasts. And this is what we're telling you. Begin to prepare yourself. Put on the armor of God, right? Put on Jesus, amen? And and, amen. and he has the authority. He has the authority. And yes, these are exciting times because what all this means, like you said, Brother Marty, is that Jesus is coming. And that is something that we should be excited about. Not afraid, yeah. but excited about, amen? Because the enemy of our souls, it's, he is already defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We, we pray that you have been blessed. And, you know, Hebrews, I want to leave you with this before I let you go. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse uh, 25. See that you refuse not him that speak it. For if they escape not, who refused him, speaking about Exodus 19, when he appeared and the earth trembled, the mountain trembled, the people trembled, which he says, for if they escaped not who refused him that spoke on, spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh 
from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shall not only shake the earth, but also heaven. There's a shaking going on right now. God is speaking. God is speaking. And as a matter of fact, he says, and when you read it, if you get a chance in Exodus 19, he says, I caused these things to happen to prove thee and that you would fear me. And that you would fear me. He says, and that this fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. So God is speaking. He's proving his people. And if this causes you to get a little, that's fine. That's good. <laughs> that's good. It should make <laughs> us tremble. This should make us ask ourselves, you know, you know, what, what are we standing on? Are you building your house upon the rock in this hour? Because if you're not, Amen. it shall fall. It shall right. fall. God has given us a window of mercy, of grace to you that are listening to me to, to make sure to inspect our foundations. Make sure there's no leaks, no holes in there, because there is a storm coming. There is a rain coming. There is a wind coming. And only those that have built, that's what Jesus said, if you build your house upon a rock, it shall not fall. But if you build it upon the sand, it shall fall. So, brothers, let us take heed to what the Lord is saying. You know, at the same time, I feel like a kid in a candy store. I mean, the things that we are studying, it's exciting me. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's challenging me to go deeper and deeper into the word of God. And I pray that it's doing it to you too, my brother, my friend, my sister in the Lord, wherever you're at. May God bless you. And as always, keep looking up.